Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Jay Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in for another amazing episode. I'm having amazing time interviewing a lot of guests so far. This is my episode 21, and I'm very excited to have another guest for our show. Before we start, I want to introduce my book, A Gift from Adversity. It's available on Amazon, and the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. I published this book speaking about my personal experience of these sexual abuse, domestic violence, bullying, homelessness that I um, had to endure when I was growing up in Japan. And after I published my book in 2020, I've gotten a lot of messages from people saying that they are also the victim of abuse or some people who are in the middle of the crisis that they have reached out to me. And I felt very compelled to create a platform where we can talk about adversity and not only that, tools that we use to overcome it and a gift that came from it. So today we have Lachelle Burnett. Thank you so much for being here, Lachelle. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Great. So Lachelle, please tell our audience who you are and what you do. Sure. So as she said, my name is Lachelle Barnett. I am a personal brand strategist, which is kind of this mix between a business coach and a therapist. I'm also a licensed therapist by trade. Um, and so essentially what I do is I help um, people who are building like expert-based brands, coaches, consultants, that kind of thing. Um, I show them how to build business brands. Great. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been doing that? This is my fourth year um, as a full-time entrepreneur. And prior to that, I was a licensed therapist. Great. And how can people find out your business and how can people get in touch with you? Sure. The easiest and simplest way is to look me up on Facebook, just as you see it on the screen. Lachelle Barnett is how it's listed. Um, you can follow me. You can friend request me. Even if there is not enough space, you can always still follow, inbox me questions or, you know, anything like that is the simplest way for us to connect. And I'm just curious what kind of personal branding that you have mm -hmm. done, what, what kind of clients did you have so far? Yeah, so most of the clients that I've served have been coaches, consultants, people who would consider themselves to be experts in their own niche or their own space. And typically there are people who are right at the six figure mark, maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after. And one of the things that we really specialize in is pivoting, right? People who wanna make some kind of major pivot inside their brand. Usually it's like um, some kind of business model pivot. Maybe they've been doing services and now they wanna be a coach or some version of that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. You're now. Welcome. Let's talk about our main topic. Let's dive into it. So what was your adversity that you have to endure? Yeah, I think um, like many other people, there are probably multiple, you know, adversities that I've experienced. And so if I had to probably list, list top three, I would say the biggest one is having not grown up with parents. So both of my parents are addicts 
which then means that my siblings and I all got separated by um, the Department of Child Services and we all got sent with other family members and were raised by someone else. So I was actually raised by an aunt who I call mom. Um, but not growing up with parents really created a pretty big identity shift for me. So I would say that would be one. Um, I've also experienced sexual abuse and physical abuse. Um, some like teenage years and up. Um, and those two, of course, have had their, you know, different kinds of impact. Um, but I also think being a teenage parent, um, I got pregnant when I was 14. And having kids so young definitely shapes you in a lot of different ways. Well, you said a lot of stuff. Now, let's actually dissect uh, some of the things that you've said. First of all, you've um, said your parents were not able to raise you guys. How many siblings did you have? I have five brothers and sisters. So then basically the state took away and then you did you guys live in the same home or all different? No, we none of us were raised in the same household. We did not grow up together. Um, and so we all lived with different people and I was given to my aunt. So I lived just as kind of a, kind of raised kind of like a, a only child, even though I have five siblings. I see. Mm -hmm. So you said you have some identity, um, mm -hmm. maybe growing up. So how, how would you describe that to people who mm -hmm. are, have no idea what it's like to be raised by somebody else? Yeah, I think that um, it shows up in a couple of different ways. The biggest one is having abandonment issues and always being concerned that someone is going to leave because you saw your parents leave. I think also sometimes you don't realize how much of an identity you get from the people who raised you, either, either intentionally or unintentionally. And so when you don't have one parent, it's hard enough. But then when you don't have either parent, I think you begin to really internalize worthiness issues and self-esteem kind of issues and self-love and all that kind of stuff um it really creates this well who will hey, who am i really and am i good enough i feel like it's kind of the the theme yes um when i was running a non-profit organization to teach music to um, dys clients and then dcf clients and i met um, some girl who was, I would say 10, but she has been through 18 different homes already. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to teach piano, but she was just shaking and then really, really afraid. And I can't even imagine mm -hmm. having to have so many homes yeah. um, that you have to adopt and have no choice. Yeah. Yeah, I could not imagine having to switch homes so often. I do feel like I was lucky in that way and that I did get adopted by a family member and I didn't have to do a lot of switching homes. Um, so definitely grateful for that. But you do create this kind of um, internal anxiety or kind of this internal constant questioning of who you are for sure. And also you mentioned about sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened to you? 
Um, I've had a couple of things from incest within family kind of thing, as well as just being raped as uh, a teenager. So sorry to hear mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm a victim of child sex abuse and it just devastating to me another survivor mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. How about the physical abuse? What happened? So the physical abuse is in my adulthood, not in my childhood, but it was basically domestic violence inside of an intimate partner relationship with my um, youngest father's son. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's it's very, very devastating here. And then I really appreciate you coming to my show and speaking up for mm -hmm. yourself and for others. Yeah. And this is exactly why I wanted to create this platform to talk about the mm -hmm. um, adversity. How do you think all this adversity raining down on you growing mm -hmm. up or being adult, um, how were you feeling in the middle of this, all these things that was thrown mm -hmm. at Yeah, I think that with each new type of trauma, you just, your self-esteem kind of just goes lower and lower. Like, I think that um, when I was adopted by my mom, my aunt, who is my legal guardian, um, I was two. So I really didn't feel the effects of that until I got a little bit older, but I would hear lots of different stories around, oh, we used to try to drop you off at the daycare and you would just scream for hours because you didn't know if somebody was going to come back and pick you up. And, you know, I heard a lot of those kind of stories growing up, up that I don't always remember myself, but it just is kind of this thread that you can see where it's like, oh, I'm always worried about someone leaving, or I'm always worried about you know, just the ability to let go of things. And I think um, probably the thing that I see as the greatest impact with each one of these is sometimes we don't understand how much your ability to love yourself or lack thereof really impacts everything else. It imp impacts your ability to make good decisions. It impacts who you end up in relationships with along the way, what jobs you take, right? So I couldn't always see it, but I would say definitely in hindsight, there's just this lack of self-love that grew and grew and grew over time, which then led to decisions that weren't great or relationships that weren't great or, you know, just different consequences. You're on mute. Sorry, as devastating as it is, I think it's important for us to talk about this because mm -hmm. otherwise people do not understand. And also for our future new, like young generations, more we talk about, especially sexual abuse and then domestic violence issues, that people are just afraid to speak out because of the perpetrator are still around and mm -hmm. worry about them and then their judgment and their allies that... Mm -hmm who are the victim that shouldn't be muted and they yeah. should be muted, but most of us are afraid to talk about it. So yeah. did you have that fear of speaking up for yourself? Um, I don't, I did not, well, some things I would say, yes, there's some aspects of the abuse that I never told anyone. 
um, except for a therapist. And then there were other aspects that were just a little easier to talk about. So I think that um, through therapy, it really helped me come to terms with, you know, what's a safe thing to put out, especially when you're building a business and you're the face of the business. Sometimes it can be challenging because you're worried about, well, what are people going to find out about me? Or, you know, you one of the things that I find just from a business perspective is how much childhood trauma impacts your ability to be successful, particularly if you're like a coach or a consultant or someone in that space. We don't always tie the two together, but there are a lot of links between all the imposter syndrome and confidence issues and you're not willing to your inability to market yourself and all these things. Well, almost I would say 90 percent of the time there's been trauma there. Right. And so I think um, that's just a link that we just don't talk about enough, uh, how this shows up and how it manifests the older you get and in whether you're in leadership or you have a nine to five or you're running a business, like sometimes I think we feel like time heals wounds, but the truth is time doesn't actually heal wounds by itself. Like if you don't do the work to heal, time actually isn't your friend at all. I cannot agree more with that because my trauma initial incident was the heaviest will be between age eight to 13 and I'm 45. And then Mm -hmm. still, when I do have the panic attack, I feel like I was like, mm. I feel like 13 in my head. All over again, yeah. Yeah, and I feel what you said was like on point that the time, unfortunately, does not, not help to heal. You mm-hmm. have to do work. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide to become a therapist after all this stuff happened to you? Well, I think that's really the gift of the adversity, right? It's like you develop a passion, a empathy, a um, whatever we want to call it for things that you've experienced yourself. So I knew very early on that I wanted to help people. And I knew that therapy was one way that I would be able to do that. And so I became a licensed therapist. I specialized in addictions and trauma. Surprise, surprise. I both my parents are addicts, have my own sexual trauma, right? So um, I I think that it was really a no-brainer for me. It was just a natural desire to help people that you have a level of compassion for. Yeah, so I would like to switch a question to my second question. Mm-hmm. I know you became therapist and then now you are on the other side of helping people. However, mm-hmm. maybe growing up, facing this adversity mm-hmm. when you didn't know what to do mm-hmm. and also maybe try on error, how do you say the best tools that you mm-hmm. have used to help yourself that was significant? Yeah, so I would say one tool that I may not have recognized at the time when I was younger, but definitely can see it now, is leaning into whatever it is that you enjoy. So if you loved basketball, if you loved art, if you loved like whatever the thing is that really brings you some level of joy, is leaning into that thing and allowing that to fill, for lack of a better word, some level of a void, right? Um, that would be one thing that I could see that really 
allowed me to survive and allowed me to um, kind of make it through some tough situations. I also think for me, one of the things that was very helpful was spirituality. I grew up in the church. And while I had some mixed experiences, right, I had some people who were kind of judgy and right. But I also learned what the love of God felt like. And so that became a cushion. It became, you know, a level of protection. And even though I didn't always navigate it perfectly, what I did learn and the environment that I was in was very helpful to me um, when it comes to just sorting through things I didn't understand or when I felt bad about who I was or, you know, different things would come up. I had some place to go. I had a, a group of people that was supportive and, you know, I could ask questions too. Um, so I would say spirituality and just leaning into the things that I really liked um, was helpful to me. What was the things that you liked that you're leaning into? Well, I loved sports, right? So I played all the sports from volleyball to basketball to, you know, I just was a big sports person. And one thing that people don't necessarily equate all the time to trauma is that it really sticks in your body, right? Like if you don't actually do the work, then it manifests. That's where all this anxiety and, you know, depression and all these other things come up is because we haven't done some of the work that then releases. And so I was naturally, without knowing it at the time, I was naturally allowing some level of healing because just being very physical and allowing myself to go through the release of some things was very helpful to me, just being very active in sports. So now you became a therapist and you've seen some clients that um, some of the tools that you may be teaching, you, you may be taught that can maybe, um, one of the things that you thought some of the technique made a change in your client's trauma, what, what are the things that you can say that? Yeah, I think the biggest one, and I hate to say it because it feels like a little bit of a cliche, but um, it's the self-love. The people who I've seen do the greatest amount of turnaround, have the greatest amount of success, are the people who learn to love themselves in spite of the things that happen to them. So when I say self-love, I do not mean spas and massages and, you know, like all of that is good. It has a place. But what I'm really talking about is where are the places where you've lost respect for yourself, maybe because of decisions that you've made or scenarios that you've been in. And it's like people don't necessarily realize is that in order to go from in order to truly love yourself, which is how we get to fulfillment it really starts with respecting yourself and then liking yourself and then loving yourself. And so one of the biggest tools that I teach my clients is what are the things that you need to start doing or stop doing that are affecting your ability to respect you? Because when you don't love you, you, you have all these other consequences as a result. But the moment you start loving you and liking you, well, now you're setting more appropriate boundaries and now you're having healthier relationships and Right, there's just a greater level of joy if you can do that work. I think self-love, self-respect, self-advocacy, those are the words I've been hearing more and more. Mm -hmm. But as easy as it sounds, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's so hard, especially after you've been through so much trauma and adversity and as unfortunately fellow survivor of the sexual abuse, especially, Mm -hmm. that 
violation of se your sexuality, especially when you're young, and especially within the fa family member, mm -hmm. you can't love yourself. You can't. It's so hard to love yourself. Yeah, I would say I agree. When you're younger, it can be really, really, or not younger, but whatever age that that is happening, it can be super hard at the time. And I would say it's only when there's been some separation between you and the event, you and the person, you and the scenario, that there's even a chance that you can begin to love yourself. And I think it always starts with the decision, right? It always just starts with, do I even think that loving myself is a big enough deal to where I want to do the work? Because just be, like, like you said, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's the thing that I've seen help people the most, right? If I can embrace this concept of, okay, the more I love me, because sometimes people don't understand the connection between loving yourself and your ability to be happy, loving yourself and your ability to get some of the things that you desire, right? But the connection is very strong and it works just like this. And so I think that even though it's hard, putting yourself in the right places, making the decision first. So whether it's therapy, whether it's other communities that have survivors and they're doing their own work, it is difficult to do, but it really has a lot to do with habits, right? It's like, here are the two or three habits where I'm self-sabotaging or where I'm in my own way or where, you know, I'm not really believing some aspect of myself. And I think the more you develop habits, the easier it is to love yourself. So going through this tremendous amount of adversities mm -hmm. and then becoming a therapist was a so inspiring or empowering and then kind of healing experience to your trauma? Um, I don't know if I would say that. I think that I had done so much work in order to become a therapist that by the time I actually decided to, like, I got to that point, everything else is just kind of like icing on the cake at that point, right? Like, I do think there's all, this healing comes in a lot of different ways. You can meet a complete stranger and they say something that touches you. And then there's a level of healing that can come that way. So I definitely think that some of the experiences that I've had with clients have been fulfilling for sure. And it feels like, okay, I understand why I had to go through all of this. I don't like it. I don't think I would choose it again. But here I am, and this since this is the cards that I was dealt, let me just learn how to make lemonade out of lemons. And it's been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. It's hardest, one of the harder things, right? Because the tricky part is that I can't do the work for people. And I can see them hurting, and I can see them in pain. And But, you know, everybody comes to their own understanding and their own motivation and all at, in their own time. And so it can be challenging, especially when you start talking about addiction, um, to see people, you know, harming themselves. But it is definitely one of the more rewarding things that I've ever done. I would say if I was a therapist, I would feel the same mm -hmm. in a way that maybe a little frustration because you want to help them, but mm -hmm. know that no matter how much of the information or therapy session that you have, you really have to tell yourself that I want to change mm -hmm. and I want to be overcoming this. Yeah, that's what helps me not be frustrated with people when they aren't making the progress that I want them to make or they're not doing the things that I'm suggesting. It's like, well, Lachelle, you had to get to that space. They got to get to that space, right? Like, 
just knowing that I'm there when they're ready is really comfort enough. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Well, so we kind of maybe guessed or talked about a gift part of it. Mm -hmm. But what do you say the biggest gift that came from all the adversities that you went through? Yeah, I would say the biggest gift is my ability to relate to people. So like as an addictions therapist or a trauma therapist, everybody, like the ther the other therapists in our department could be very well-intentioned, but if you haven't experienced some of it yourself, sometimes you miss the cues and sometimes you, you know, well-intentioned is different than having experienced it. And so I think that I always tell people I was born to be a therapist because, and it's particularly people who are struggling with having been raped multiple times and people who are shooting up and really struggling because I get to be bold and point blank and right because your life is on the line versus other types of therapy where it's like depression and suicide and you know those require a different level of communication and a different level of finesse but in this arena where I'm dealing with people who are literally harming themselves day in and day out I feel like I was really made for that and it has directly connected to my own adversity, right? It's like, I have a level of passion and a level of experience that allows me to be a better therapist. And it even serves me now in this entrepreneur side of things that I'm on because I can easily make the connection around why somebody is struggling where someone who doesn't have that therapy or personal development kind of background doesn't have that same skill set. So I think that it's directly tied. I mean, as much as we none of us would want to have to experience this, I do feel like there's a gift in the midst of it. Well, that's really beautiful. And I am very happy that you empowered yourself and then loved yourself and then rose above all these challenges. And mm -hmm. now you are on completely different side. Mm -hmm not only just a therapist, but helping people, personal brand, or maybe um, realize their potentials as well. Mm -hmm. 100%, yeah. It's amazing how all of these things are connected, right? It's like a winding road and one thing le leads to another and let another thing leads to another. So I would have not pegged myself to be where I'm at now, but I can see how it's all connected, so. It's very, interesting that when people talk about adversity and then the tools and then the gift that it connects to where you are mm -hmm. and then how much of resilience that people have because i had share amount of adversity growing up and then i could definitely give up myself and then all the dreams and then aspiration but i somehow survived and then somehow doing what I wanted to do in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think for our audience, whoever is listening to episode, this episode particularly, that I just want to encourage people to not be afraid to go mm -hmm. through the adversity, but also know that there are help out there mm -hmm. and there are advocacies out there if you can't advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that, 
Michelle and I are talking about this because more people talk about domestic violence, sexual abuse, and all these difficult issues that should not be a stigma. I think that's so important that people understand just like we have fever, we have car accident, we have cancer, all these diseases that people feel okay to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a car accident. But how can you not say smoothly, oh, I was just raped. I was uh, abused when I was a child. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you having this conversation with me tonight. Yeah, I think that every conversation that you can have just minimizes the shame a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Yes. Thank you so much, Michelle. And I um, hope that somebody who is listening out there do not feel alone if they unfortunately are going through adversity. As we speak right now, that I am from Japan and Michelle is from America. Mm -hmm. The place of where it happened does not matter. It's all up in the brain. And we all share, unfortunately, all this trauma and adversity, but still we are able to overcome and it's okay mm-hmm. to suffer or struggle, but really rely on help and tools that are out there mm-hmm. and then be able to make a gift from it. Yeah. Agreed. Do you have any last comment for our audience? I think the only thing that I would say for those of you who are listening and you're going through your own storms, whether they feel directly related to trauma, maybe you're in the midst of it, or whether you're years removed, I would just say take the time to figure out what you still need to heal from, right? Like there's probably, when we feel like we're going through something, there's probably something that we have yet to heal from, and there's probably still work to be done. So I encourage you just to be still long enough to just kind of say, oh, I can I get a feel for where this is coming from and then have the courage because that's what it takes. It takes a lot of courage to then uproot and do some work um, in order to be a better you. So I like that mm-hmm. in order to be better you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Lachelle, again for coming to a gift from adversity tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And for our audience, we have very exciting guests coming up. And I try to keep it going to make this platform as safe as possible and be able to share our adversity and tools and then the gift that comes from it. Thank you again, everyone, and have a wonderful night.